0: You were with us last week, we began a new series called The Great Commission, and Andrew just did a great job of, of kicking us off and, and giving us a little context for why, as a church family, we're going to be just camping out in Matthew chapter 28. And so, you know, every year, as a church family, man, we, we take several weeks before the rush of the fall. And you know, I don't know what the fall is like for you, but fall is marked by school starting and sports, and it's marked by weddings and traveling, and it is just so fun and chaotic and busy. And, and so we as a church family like to really intentionally just kind of mark this season right before the busyness of fall and go, hey, this is who we are, not just as a church family, but as God's people. And so uh, for the next literally four Sundays, we're going to just be looking at these five verses. You're like, five verses? Four weeks? It's like, yeah. And, and I was thinking about my buddy Sam. He's on staff with us. And he's actually out of town today. But, but Sam and his family got to go out west earlier this summer. And I remember talking to Sam kind of before their trip. And, and they had planned to go to all these different national parks. You know, you're not out west very often, especially with four kids in the house. And, and so his plan was to, to go to all these different camps or to all these different parks. And he said the very first The park that they get to was Yosemite. If any of you guys have been to Yosemite, raise your hand if you've ever been there. And and he said, we get there, and he said, we realized our plans had changed in that moment. (laughs) He said, in that moment, we decided that that we didn't wanna, the next four or five days be marked by going from, from one place to the next. He said, we wanted to stay in this one place and just to soak in everything Yosemite had the trails and the beauty. And and he said, so we just decided to just linger in this place. And and guys, that's kind of the same idea with Matthew 28. There's so much beauty and depth and richness. and, And we could spend the next year just soaking in the depths of what God has for us in this passage of Scripture. And I'm excited because Andrew did such a great job of kicking us off in this verse. He looked at verse 16 and 17 and 18 last week. Jesus appears to the disciples, he'd been crucified on a cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead, experienced the power of resurrected life. He goes to Galilee and the 11 disciples and many other women and those who had followed Jesus showed up and he looks them in the eye and he says, guys, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says this next line that we're gonna just be looking at exclusively today. So therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. That word go is a powerful word. It's a phrase that you can remember as a kid or maybe even as an adult, maybe at Olympics you did this. On your mark, get set, right? Go. It's it's an activating word, setting things in motion. A couple weeks ago, my family, we were at a water park. And at my um, third kid, my second oldest dog, I don't know how to talk about it, Merritt, my (laughs) six-year-old. We are riding one of those uh, inner tube rides, you know, two-person ride, and we're sitting at the top of this water slide, ready to go down, and we're just looking at this 15-year-old lifeguard who's been entrusted to take care of us. And... (laughs) And we're just waiting on him to to look at us and to say, you can go. And and there's just this joy and this excitement. And Mary and I are just sitting there. We're just anticipating those words. And when the, the word go finally comes, it just unleashes you. Man, joy just explodes out of the word go. Go is a motivating word. We've never said this around our house, but you probably have at yours. Hey, we're running late. We gotta go, right? And I love that Jesus, crucified, resurrected, king of all kings, Lord of all lords, all authority, looks at his disciples and he says, guys, go. And he says, and make. I love the word make. It implies creativity, it implies planning, it implies joy. My oldest daughter, Finley, loves to bake right now and she's really good at it. And her question so often to us is she'll come to us and she, she says, can, can I make cookies? And our question always back is, will you clean up afterwards? <laughs> Because if the answer is yes, then you can make cookies. And so she'll get out her cookbook and she'll gather all the ingredients. And, and I love just sitting in our kitchen watching Finley make cookies because it makes her happy. And because it makes her happy, it makes me happy. Think about when you get to make something. Man, maybe it's a piece of art or a song. Maybe it's a, a contribution to the project that your team is working on. Maybe it's a delicious meal. Making something unlocks and it unleashes something inside of us. Guys, at the core of who we are, we were made to make. We were made to be creative. To give the best of who we are to bringing things into existence. And I love these two verbs. Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to make. And he says, I don't want you just to go and, and to make. He says, I want you to, to go and to make and use the lion's share of your life. Not to making money and, and not to just making memories and not to having fun. What does he say? I want you to give the, the majority of your life to doing what? Making disciples. And we're gonna talk about what that word is and what it looks like and, and what that means. And, but this week as I was praying and I was just thinking about these words, I was so encouraged by, by two sentiments within this sending from Jesus, two sentiments. Number one is that, and I want you to hear this, it's a huge deal, before you hear the commands, before you hear the imperative to go and make disciples, I want you to hear what's underneath it, what's coming from the heart of Jesus. Number one is that he trusts us to make disciples. Dang, that's awesome. Think about that. That word, go, that word, make, it communicates his confidence in us. He doesn't say, hey, I've I've conquered all things. I want you just to play it safe. No, he looks at us and he says, Ragsdale, you've got what it takes. And Sarah, I believe in you. And Aaron, you've you've, you've got it deep inside of you. And the God of the universe looks at you and he says, David, you've got what it takes to make disciples. Soak that in this morning. Have you ever had a moment in life where someone entrusted you to do something and and there was actually something on the line if you failed. You know, I grew up on a farm, small town, Kentucky, and my summers were were spent working in the fields with my family. And and I I remember just this this picture in my head was my dad on the tractor and and him working in in front of us. And me and my sister, my brother, my mom, we're, you know, we're, we're behind and we've got the hose or whatever it is that we're doing. And we're walking on our feet. And, and, and the truth is I got really comfortable in that space. Like, I understood it was a family calling to to, to work and to work hard. And this was about the family. And and I didn't always love it, didn't always agree with it, but I came to be appreciative of it. And I remember one day my dad coming to me and he says, hey, today you need to drive the tractor. And I'm like, dad, there's a lot on the line. Like, you know, if if I swerve and I'm taking out our crops, like that's how our family eats and this is a big deal. And, And I remember my dad just looking at me and being like, you got this. And I'm just telling you, I didn't believe that I got this, but he believed in me. And when someone that you love and someone that you look up to looks at you and says, I believe in you, man, it unlocks something in you. Jesus tells his disciples, go. And it's not like what I do with my kids sometimes when they're driving me crazy. Like, go, get out of the house. You gotta get out of our hair. He's not telling us to go because he's annoyed with us. He's not telling us to to go because he's trying to punish us or because he wants us to prove ourselves. No, the, the thing I want us to understand this morning, he tells us to go and to make because he trusts us. And the second sentiment in this sending that Jesus has for us is that these words are actually for all of us. He trusts us, and these words from Jesus are for all of us. Jesus doesn't pull Peter or John aside and go, hey, hey, I want you to make disciples. (laughs) You know, you're the leader, and and, and I want you to carry on what, what I've been doing and I've been watching you and you've got the gift of, of pastoring and man, you're such a, a good leader, Peter and John. Man, your heart just just burns. I'm gonna entrust you two to make disciples and the other, he's like, hey, you guys just keep showing up, all right? And, and, and try not to cuss throughout the week. And, and don't look at stuff that you're not supposed to. No, Jesus gathers the whole crew he says, guys, go and make disciples. And I think sometimes what happens is that we believe or, or we start to tell ourselves that making disciples is someone else's job. Or have you ever thought, man, it's someone else's gifting? And what happens is unintentionally or maybe even intentionally what we do is that we lower the calling of what it means to follow Jesus. But I want you to hear this. He trusts you. This is for you. But what does he trust us to do? What does he trust us with? He trusts us to go and make disciples. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. What is a disciple? What do you think of when you hear that word? Let's change it up a little bit. Logan, what do you think about when you hear a disciple? Don't give me the biblical answer. Just what do you think about when you hear a disciple? Disciple. That's really good. Should have started with somebody else. That was really good. <laughs> Someone devoted to following a certain way. You want to get up here? This is good. <laughs> Stacy, what do you think about when you hear a disciple? We're, we're, we're following. Yeah, following. Yeah. John, what do you think about? What's a disciple? To be like the person you follow. To be like the man. This is good. You know, for them, they had a really clear understanding, just like so many here today. Have of what the word disciple means. A lot of us, though, we hear that word and we're like, what in the world does that mean? You know, this is the way that, that their world worked. The, the idea of apprenticeship is maybe a, a word that kind of unlocks something in our hearts. And so in their world, both in the physical and in the spiritual world, I mean, they, they lived as apprentices. And so think about the way that tradesmen or tradeswomen are in, in our culture, a plumber or electrician. Or I even think about the way a good internship is meant to work is that, is that you go with them. And you learn the trade and, and you get to ask questions and you get to watch them troubleshoot and problem solve. And, and it's, it's life on life. You're right there beside them learning from them. And, and they got this picture. This is the way that it worked in the physical realm for them, that whatever trade they were going into, carpentry or farming, that they would literally disciple, they would be an apprentice of someone else. But this was also the way that it worked in the spiritual world. And not everyone had this privilege, but, but the, the best and the brightest would go to a rabbi and, and, and they would say, hey, can, can I apprentice under you? Can I be your disciple? And what that meant is that they were going to learn what it looked like to know and to follow God by living life with this rabbi. You know, when Jesus said, go and make disciples, there was, there was zero questions about what he was asking them to do. They lived with Jesus for three years, they watched him. They, they, they asked him questions, they debriefed with Jesus that they knew exactly what it meant to be a disciple. But I wonder for, for us, like if, if we hear that, go and make disciples and we're like, what does that even mean? I believe that if, if Jesus is telling us to, to go and to make disciples, it's important that we know what that means. And so at Ethos, we have this kind of working definition. This isn't a, a global definition. This is not the way that every church would define discipleship, and, and that's okay. But as a family, you know, if you're a part of this family, you know, this is how we think about, this is the target for what we think it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. And so a disciple of Jesus is someone who is actively following Jesus, being transformed by Jesus, and who is committed to the ways and the words and the works of Jesus. And I wanna unpack this a little this morning. And so someone, a disciple, not just a churchgoer and and not just someone who who, who likes to be at church, but someone who is serious about following Jesus, about letting the the God of the universe use your life to help people. This is a disciple, it's someone who follows Jesus. Well, what does that look like today? You know, for the apostles, the disciples, they had the benefit of having Jesus in the flesh, right? Literally following Jesus meant just going wherever he went. If he went to Crema to get an ice cuban, they went to Crema. (laughs) The other day, we were watching The Chosen. My son, my oldest son, Jones, said, Dad, man, I wish Jesus was still here in person. And I've had that thought. Man, the truth is that in a lot of ways, following Jesus would be so much easier if we could just see him. And I think it's important that we understand as a church family that we use this word follow in our definition because we fully believe that Jesus is still alive that we can still follow him. Though he's not with us in the flesh, he's, he, he's not moving in the same way that he did, like in terms of them being able to see his hands and his feet and where he was going. We believe that he is still in heaven and he is alive and that one day we will see him. But right now through his spirit, he's leading us. You see, the problem isn't that, that Jesus isn't leading. I think the problem so often is that, is that we're not listening and we're not looking. Following Jesus means that we have to learn to recognize his voice. We have to be listening for his voice. We don't have the, the, the gift of, of sight, of seeing Jesus the way that, that they did. It's a voice of God. The voice of God that we discover in the scriptures, a voice of God that we hear through the spirit. And I go, a disciple of Jesus is someone who follows Jesus. Literally, when, when Jesus speaks, they obey. I was having coffee about a month ago or two months ago with a guy from our church. I'm not gonna say his name because I don't wanna embarrass him. But the dude is amazing. And he was telling me that he he moved to Nashville and, and, and he... the he was looking for a job and, and he said, I wanted to, to work in a setting in particular in a school that, that was lower income. I wanted to work with, with students in particular who are lacking a father figure. He said, I grew up with an amazing dad. And I wanna give to these, these boys that are in my school what they're not getting. I'm like, what kind of a 23-year-old talks like that? Someone who's following Jesus. Who's paying attention to what the Spirit is speaking in in the heart. A disciple is someone who's following Jesus. Are we following Jesus? Do we wake up and, and, and with our spiritual eyes go, Jesus, where are we going today? Do we wake up and do we do we tune our ears to hear his voice? Or do we tune out his his voice? Because we want to do what we want to do, a disciple. And I go, God, may you stir up our longings to actually be your disciples. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. Second part of our, our working definition, a disciple is someone who is being transformed by Jesus. You know, one of the, the most beautiful parts about following Jesus is that he makes us like him over a lifetime. You know, when you give your life to Jesus, at least this was a case for me, I mean, you get all these things when you step in. You get forgiveness of sin, you get the Holy Spirit, you get the hope and the peace and the joy that comes from knowing that you get to live with God forever and ever and ever and ever. But the truth is, your character and your Christ-likeness are not imputed to you the moment you become a disciple of Jesus. Man, there are so many things. I mean, I've been following Jesus since I was eleven. And there are so many things in my life still being worked out. And there's so many things still being worked into me. And the beauty of following Jesus is transformation. I was reading this little Caterpillar book with my youngest son, Jack, the other day, The Hungry Caterpillar. And I love the, the last page because it's the transformation The caterpillar to the butterfly and and transformation is woven into the fabric of of all of this creation. And and God wants us to understand who you are now is is not who you're gonna be. One of the things that my wife likes to do is to find pictures of the presidents before they start their term (laughs) and pictures as they get done with their term. And it's like, whoa, y'all, we got some work to do as Americans. We are being hard on our presidents. And maybe for a good reason, I don't know. And, and I go, the, the exact opposite is actually true for us. And put a picture of yourself 10 years ago. Put a picture of yourself now. Are you the same? You've been... You've allowed the Lord to to mold you, I go, and and to to make you look more like Jesus. And maybe you're not fully where you want to be, but but can you see any transformation? And this is what happens as as you follow Jesus, is, is that He transforms us in our character and our desires, the things that we're doing when no one else is looking, and and yeah, we might have some setbacks. I go, man, but, but think about he's transforming you. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, someone who's being transformed by Jesus, and a disciple is someone who's committed to the ways and the words and the works of Jesus. What are the ways of Jesus? And there are so many things that we could talk about, but for this morning, I want you to think about it like this. I mean, the ways of Jesus were relational and communal. God of the universe, does he need anything? Coming to this earth, does, does he need us? We don't know. He chooses to surround himself with people. He starts his ministry and and it's not this this solo effort. It's not this thing that, that, man, he just invites these guys into his life and, 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 and then he just doesn't open up. No, it's like, man, Jesus invites people into this communal experience where they get to see his heart and know him. The ways of Jesus are communal and and relational. It was so much more than just about transferring facts in a classroom. Jesus wanted these guys to see, to touch, to feel, to ask questions. Being a disciple is tactile. It's relational. I think in our culture, in our day and age, when we think about disciple, so often we think about the podcast and the teaching, and it's all about the head. And there's a part of that that is disciple, but I want you to think about it bigger than that, that the ways that Jesus lived his life was relationally. And yeah, God definitely works through teachings and he works through stuff like this, but think about the ways that you have been shaped because of other people. I've been discipled by so many people. I think about one of the very first people that discipled me was my mom. My mom discipled me on what it looked like to love other people. Because my mom was consistently thinking about the orphans. My mom was consistently helping us think through the kids on our sports teams that, that practice would get over and no one else would show up to give them a ride home. And my mom over and over and over again never said a word, but she showed me, she discipled me on what it looked like to have a heart for other people. I think about this guy my freshman year of college named Bill Prady. He's an elder at another church here in our city. I was friends with his daughter and I remember being discipled by him on what it looks like to love and honor and serve your wife. The way that he talked about his wife the way that he honored her, the way that he didn't disparage her, the way that he lifted her up. And I go, man, he discipled me. Or I think about Claude and Elias. If you guys know Claude and Elias, they've been interning with us this summer and, and they're college students. And man, they are just men that are on fire and they've taught me how to worship. It doesn't just have to be people who are older than you. Claude and Elias are in college and they're teaching me what it looks like to, to be unbound in the presence of God. The ways of Jesus, discipleship, it's relational, it's communal. I go, if you're trying to do this thing by yourself, you're missing out. And I'm not going to say that, that you're not a disciple, but I want to, to really encourage you. If, if you're trying to fly solo as a fault of Jesus and you are not immersed in a community, a relational group of people going after Jesus, you're definitely missing out. Ways of Jesus are communal, they're relational. The, ways of, the words of Jesus, I want you to think about this. His, a disciple is committed to the words of Jesus, that we, we read his words. And we, and we wake up and we go, man, what does Jesus want today? I'm just gonna admit, so often the, the first question that I wake up in the morning isn't, Jesus, what do you want? It's, what does Brandon want? What does Brandon want to do? What does Brandon want to eat? What is, and, and, and I go, man, what, what a disciple does is they wake up and they go, Jesus, your words take priority. His words are meant to help us thrive. Disciples commit to the ways, the words, and the works of Jesus. What are the works of Jesus? If you read about his life, he healed. He restored, he forgave, he drove out the demonic, he fed hungry people, he included the excluded. I go, what does it mean to be a disciple following in the works of Jesus is that we do those things, that we help restore people, that we include people that we're a part of of pushing back darkness when we see it rising up in our community or in the lives of people that we love, that as disciples of Jesus, just like Jesus, never back down from a spiritual fight. We step up and we forgive and we restore and we love and we feed the hungry and we take care of the poor and, and no one is excluded. We bring them in. And we let Jesus do the transformation. Jesus looks at us and he says, Go and make disciples. And some of us, when we hear that, we're really fearful if we're being honest. We're scared of rejection. We're we're scared of doing it wrong. Some of us, when, when you hear Jesus say that, we're overwhelmed, don't even know where to begin. How do I go and make disciples? What does that even look like? Some of us, if we're being honest, we're pretty obstinate. Our heart's desire is to dig our heels in and go, you know what, we wanna do our own thing, Jesus. And we kinda like how things are going right now where we can claim following you, we can show up at church, but we're not really actively following you. And there's all these things that are working against us. Jesus says, go and make disciples. And And I hope that we understand that this is actually meant to be a gift. That when we get to help people take steps towards Jesus, We do, all of us and all God's people scattered all over the world that we get to be a part of this. It's not just for the professionals and those who have seminary degrees and those who've been doing this for a long time, all of us. So practically, how do we take a step? That if you're here this morning and you're going, Brandon, I I want more. God stir in my heart for more. I want to do this. How how do I, how do I take a step? You know, some of you, the the first thing that you need to understand is that you just need to become a disciple first. Some of you are not followers of Jesus. and, And I encourage you, if if you're not a follower of Jesus and maybe you're not quite ready to follow him, you still have lots of questions. My my encouragement and challenge for you is for you to think about is there someone in your life that does love Jesus? And my invitation to you is, would you consider asking them, can I spend time with you? So if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a disciple of Jesus right now, I encourage you to think about someone in your life who is and, and get around them. Ask them questions, share your fears, share your hesitations. Don't do this in isolation. Some of you this morning need to begin your discipleship journey. Some of you, you are disciples. But man, the reality is that You've been sitting on the couch. That that Jesus is inviting you every morning to get up and go, and you're like, nah, I'm good. Maybe your heart's burning today for more, and I want to give you some some on-ramps to start stepping into discipling relationship with Jesus, to just read the scriptures. If you're not reading the Bible, read the scriptures. Read through the Gospels familiarize yourself with the voice of Jesus and and do what he says. And so if you read where it says, hey, forgive if someone's hurt you, forgive them. If in the scriptures it says be generous and practice being generous. If it says don't judge, then that day practice not judging. If he says be merciful, then practice literally just take the things that you're reading and put them into practice. For some of you, the step you need to take is, is by signing up for freedom prayer. And one of the the greatest blessings in my life has been receiving freedom prayer. It's a place that, that helps you hear the spirit of God. And if you're sitting here today and you're going, man, I'm not sure if I can hear God, if I do hear God, sign up for freedom prayer. Some of you that the step is, is, the, is the work of relationship with Jesus, it's scripture, it's the spirit. For some of you, the step that he's inviting you to take as the disciple is to be looking for opportunities to make disciples. Either to encourage people who are already disciples or to be looking for those who are not yet followers of Jesus. And so you wake up and you say, Jesus, hey, would you would you lead me today? Literally, I think the prayer is, is that simple. Would you use me today? to to bless people. And then as as you're at the gym or as you're going on a walk after work or before work or when you're at the lunch pool, just paying attention for opportunities to to ask questions. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm not good. Oh, really? What's going on? Boom. Father of Jesus, you you prayed for an opportunity. God puts it on the platter for you. What's going on? Man, life is hard at home right now. I'm so sorry. What's going on? Tell me more about that. Yeah, me and my wife are just fighting all the time. Oh, man. Is there anything I can do? No, not think. Hey, can I pray for you? Uh, yeah, sure. It's looking for opportunities. It's looking for opportunities to meet your neighbors as you're on a walk. It's not just walking behind with your, 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 your dog and that just embarrassing bag that you're holding in your hand. You're, you're, you're looking for opportunity. Who are the people who are out? Can I engage them in conversation? It's, it's, it's looking for opportunities. And some here today, the step that you need to take as disciples is just getting out of your head. Start talking to other people. And for others of you, man, The step you need to take is just to keep going. You're already discipling. And you're not perfect, man, but you're doing this. You're opening your life and your home and your heart to other people, and you are living on mission. My encouragement to you is keep going. And so here's how I wanna end today. I love that our God cares so much about the world. And he trusts us to carry him to them. And I guarantee you, we're gonna mess up. We're gonna make mistakes. We're not gonna do it like he would, but he believes in you trust you to carry him I invite you to stand I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to go take communion during communion there'll be some people that respond banner if you want prayer you can go receive prayer for the rest of us I invite you to come back to your seat as you eat the bread and you drink the cup to just share man where are you feeling a nudge to take a step this morning and so let's pray so Lord thank you for my sisters and my brothers and I just sense that you were moving this morning when we walked in this place and I just ask that you'd keep moving Keep making us like you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's go and take communion now. Love you all.